Amen. Give the Lord a big hand, church. Would you do that? God is so great, so good. It's good to be in His house today. I'm certainly glad that you're with us. Welcome. Welcome to the Lord's house. Well, one of the most simple, practical, and powerful things that we get to do is pray. And there are a good many commands in the Bible telling us to do just that. One of the shortest commands is found in a tiny paragraph that I've been preaching from from the last couple of weeks as I've been preaching on this theme of give thanks. Uh, Through the month of November, we've been giving thanks. And towards the end of the month, I preached my keynote sermon from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I really thought that would be my final sermon on the Give Thanks series. But you know what? After I preached it, I realized I needed to go back up two verses and preach from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Because it says, rejoice always. And really the only way we can give proper thanks to God is if there is joy in our hearts. Amen? Woo! And I, I think we're, we're lacking just a little bit of, no, we got it, don't we? We got joy. We've got joy. We're rejoicing, and because of that, we're giving thanks. Well, I preached on that last Sunday, and then I realized, Jason, you know what? I can't, I can't really finish this without getting that, that middle verse in the three favorite verses of the Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, today, we're going to look at verse 17. It says, Pray without ceasing. So let me read all three of those verses together. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, Paul says, In everything give thanks, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now today we're going to concentrate on that middle verse that says, Pray without ceasing. And whenever I read that verse, I automatically ask myself two questions. Number one, what does that really mean? <laughs> yeah, Have you ever asked that? I mean, what does it really mean to pray without ceasing? And then the backup question I ask is, can I really do it? <laughs> is that possible to pray without ceasing? Well, I really believe, church, there are two layers of truth to this single verse. The first layer of truth is this. Prayer is a practice that we need to develop in our life. I'll say it like this. Prayer is a holy habit that you need to establish in your own life. To pray without ceasing means that prayer is a reoccurrent habit in our life. It is something that you do persistently and you do frequently. So talking to God is a matter of spending a definite amount of time every day in prayer, but also talking to him under your breath as if it were at the drop of a hat. Constantly praying to the Lord. It is continual and it is perpetual. In fact, the Greek word that is used here was also used by these ancient people to describe a reoccurring cough. Have <laughs> you ever had one of those? You just couldn't stop coughing all the time. It it didn't really mean constantly occurring, but it did mean consistently reoccurring. 
Now, let me show you something exciting that I discovered about this word as it peels its way through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we read that Paul wrote this book as really a, a new convert's manual to the new believers at the church in Thessalonica. Paul started that church, and then he was ran out of town, and so he was riding the church telling them how they should live their Christian life. Go back to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you. Notice what Paul is saying. He's saying we give thanks what? always for you guys. Now, I don't suppose that that meant that the Apostle Paul got a chair and put it in the corner and sat in that chair and did nothing for 24 hours a day except say, thank you, Lord, for the Thessalonians. Thank you, Lord, for the people of Thessalonica. Thank you for the Thessalonians. And just repeated that over and over. Because if he were like me, he would get all tongue-tied. Thank you for the... Are you with me? That, that is not at all what that's referring to. What it means is that he had perpetual thanksgiving for his time in the city of Thessalonica and for the glorious way that God used him among these people to start the church there and for their ongoing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, even during a time of persecution and hostility. But we got to read on. Look at verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. So do you see that little phrase, without ceasing? That is the same exact word that Paul used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, when he said, I pray. I am praying for you without ceasing here in chapter 1. In chapter 5, he says, you pray without ceasing. So here's what Paul is saying. In chapter 1, he's saying, you know what? As I go through my day and as I'm working, whether it be mending tents or whether it be working the, the word of truth and ministering to people, whatever I'm doing, if God puts you on my mind, if God brings you into my mind, I stop what I'm doing and I pray for you. I do that without ceasing. It reoccurs time after time during my day because God is constantly bringing you to the forefront of my mind. And so I'm praying without ceasing for you. He says that in chapter 1. Over in chapter 5, he says, you ought to be doing the same thing. As you're going through your day and you're doing your daily work, if God brings something to your mind, whether it be a note of praise or thanksgiving or whether it be a petition, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to pray. You need to pray without ceasing. But it doesn't stop there. Chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. <laughs> Same word he used in chapter 1, same word he uses in chapter 5, he's using it in chapter 2. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, 
But as it is the truth, the Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So without ceasing, we keep praying to God. Now look at chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face And perfect what is lacking in your faith. And so here, church, you've got a pretty good definition of what it means to pray without ceasing. It means that you pray night and day. It means that you pray perpetually. That we pray with great frequency and regularity. That we pray at the drop of a hat. That we pray at regular times during the day but also that we go around praying as it were under our breath. It becomes a holy habit of our life. And just like we need food to survive, and just like we need air to breathe, we've got to pray as well. And it is a habit that we form in our life. And you know what? When you form that habit, when you have definite times of prayer during the day, and then, you know, when, when everything is good between you and God, and, and you know what, you're, you're on a prayerful basis with Him, that you could pray at the drop of a hat, you don't have to stop and reintroduce yourself to God because it's been 10 weeks since you prayed to Him. When you're living life that way, let me tell you what, it changes the way you live life. It changes the way you look at people. It changes the way you think about things. Pray without ceasing. Hmm. Let me share something with you that that really has changed my life, changed my prayer life. I read this uh, probably about five, six years ago. I think I've even shared this story with you. It's it's about a man named Michael Guido. He's from Metter, Georgia. Uh, He was a pioneer in radio days and and, and television days, early television. He he did this short little program, Seeds from the Sower. And he was such an encourager. He he took truths from the Word of God and and applied them to everyday life. Uh, Dr. Guido died back in 2009 at the age of 94. But this is what he wrote about his daily routine. Just, Just listen to what he said. He said, when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Jesus. You and I are going to have a great day today. And Lord, have your way in my life. He said, I slip my feet into my slippers and I pray, Lord, bind my feet with ties of righteousness. I go into the bathroom and I wash my hands and I pray, Lord, don't let my hands touch anything today that your hands would not touch. I wash my forehead and I pray, Lord, don't let me think on anything that your mind would not think on today. I brush my teeth and I pray, Lord, wash my tongue. Keep my tongue from saying anything that your tongue would not say today. I wash my eyes and I pray, Lord, don't let me look at anything that you would not look at today. I wash my ears and I pray, Lord, don't let my ears listen to anything that your ears would not listen to today. And as I stand before the mirror to see that I am presentable to go out into the world before I leave the bathroom, I pray, Michael, you're going forth to reveal Jesus today. Let there be nothing in your life that will disgrace him or deny him or defame him 
in any way. Amen. Let me tell you, when, when, I, when I read that, Jason, I did. I said, wow, man. I said, wow. Because I don't know if you're like me. When, when I wake up in the morning, I usually don't say, good morning, Lord. I usually say, good Lord, it's morning. And then I start complaining about everything that's hurting, my shoulder, my hip. My... Are you with me? And I keep that negative attitude with me most of the day. But you know what? After I read this, I realized, Will, you don't need to be living life that way. You don't need to start your day that way. And so for five years, I've been praying this, this same prayer every morning. I'll get up and read my Bible, and then I'll pray, and I'll say, Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice on the altar today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take me and use me today for your kingdom. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through Will Harmon today. And Lord, for that to be accomplished, I give you my mind. Lord, I pray that, that today I would think on good thoughts. I pray that you would get my mind out of the gutter and I would think on God today. Lord, I give you my ears. I pray that today I would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to me and as he gives me instructions in righteousness. Lord, I give you my eyes. I pray that I would see the world as you see the world, and I pray that I would see people just like you see people. Lord, I give you my mouth, and I pray that nothing come out of the mouth of Will Harmon today that would be discouraging or harmful for the kingdom of God. I pray that through my mouth I would speak truth and I would tell other people about the good ways of God. Lord, I give you my hands and my feet. May they become your hands and your feet today as you accomplish your will on planet earth. Lord, I give you my heart. I pray that I would have a heart after God, that I would be a man after your own heart. And Lord, I give you my time, my talents, and my treasure. All of me is yours today, Lord. Bless me and use me today in your kingdom. No matter what happens to me today, Lord, I pray that I act like and I live like a child of the king. That's my daily prayer. And can I tell you something? It has changed the way I live life. Because let me tell you, sometimes my mind wants to go to the gutter. Don't look at me that way because you do the same thing. But when it starts going down the gutter, I say, Lord, I remember the prayer, prayer that I prayed this morning. Help me not to take my mind to the gutter. Help me to keep my mind on God. Huh? And when the Holy Spirit does speak in my ear, I say, Lord, I prayed that prayer this morning. So I want to do what you've called me to do today. And when I'm in a tense situation, when I have to make a difficult decision, or when I am a battle, in a battle fighting for my life, I realize, you know what, the Lord is right here with me, and all I've got to do is pray to Him, and He's going to answer my prayer. Why? Because this morning, I laid my life on the altar of sacrifice, and I told Him I was His, and I know that I belong to Him. Now, let me tell you why that's so important. If you go back to the book of 1 Chronicles, 
it opens with this long series of, of, of genealogical listings. In fact, First Chronicles begins with the uh, genealogical listing going all the way back to Adam. It talks about Adam and, and Seth and Enosh. And then several chapters later, we come down to the names of the various tribes of Israel and their lineages. And it just lists name after name of these tribes and of these peoples uh, until we come to chapter 5 of First Chronicles. And it talks about the tribe of Gad, the Gadites. And as it's listing the, the families in the tribe of Gad, there's an interesting notation there. Chapter 5, verse 19, says this about the tribe of Gad. It says, they made war with the Hagrites, Jether, Naphish, and Nodad. And they were helped against them. And the Hagrites were delivered into their hand, and all who were with them. Why? Because they cried out to God in the battle. And he heard their prayer because they put their trust in him. Now guys, this is really interesting to me. It should be to you as well. These men were noted in the Old Testament genealogies. Why? Because they cried out to God in battle. That's significant. These men prayed while they were fighting a battle. They weren't in their prayer closet. They were not in a beautiful sanctuary with an awesome chandelier. Oh, we lost our lights. Oh. Sorry about that. We've been having light problems all week, but they're going to be fixed this week. They weren't in a beautiful sanctuary with organ music playing silently. No, they were in the fog of war. They were dodging flying arrows and flinching from flashing and clashing of sword and shield. But somehow, in the midst of the frenzy of battle, they managed to pray, to call out on the Lord. And God answered them on the spot. Woo! How about an amen, church? Amen. You know what that means? That, that means that when you're in the midst of a battle, when you're, when you're having a really bad day and everything is going wrong and nothing is going right, when you're being attacked by other people and by the devil, all you have to do is cry out to God. And he's going to answer your prayer. So praying without ceasing means that we have developed a prayer habit in our life and that we continually pray to God. And that leads us to the second level of the meaning of this term, without ceasing. Prayer is not only a practice to develop, I believe prayer is a presence to enjoy. Church, God is with you every moment of every day. And we need to daily remind ourselves how near at hand our God is. We need to train ourselves to constantly and consciously pause throughout the hours of the day to remind ourselves that, you know what, God is right here with me. God is right here with us. And we must learn to go to Jesus Christ constantly asking his advice in every decision that we make. Lord, what would you do? Lord, what do I need to do next? We need to remind ourselves that he is standing there beside us. He is near at hand. He is a present force with us all the time, making himself available to us. And all we have to do is talk to him. 
All we have to do is pray. Prayer is a presence that we enjoy with the Lord Jesus Christ. A great mental image of this is the children of Israel. Remember when they were wandering through the wilderness for 40 years? God was with them and God said, I am going to be with you and the way you will know that I am with you is through this pillar of cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. This is my presence. And he said, you just follow me. And so when the cloud moved, whether it's the the cloud by day or the fire by night, the children of Israel, they followed that cloud. And when the cloud stopped, they stopped and and they made camp. That's where they camped out because that was the presence of the Lord. And church, listen to me. In the hearth of our hearts, when the presence of the Lord is blazing inside of us like a fire in a fireplace, there's no need to ever feel alone or abandoned or afraid because he's right there with us. His presence is with us. How wonderful to be able to enjoy the presence and learn that, you know what, all we have to do is talk to him. He's right here with me 24 hours a day. I just need to talk to him. His nightmares began every morning when he woke up. Jim Stegalls was 19 years old. And he found himself in the middle of the Vietnam conflict. He had a Gideon New Testament that he had stuck in his shirt pocket, but he had never taken it out to read it. The reason why? He was mad at God. Number one, for him being over there fighting this war. And number two, him seeing all of his buddies being cut down on a daily basis. His 20th birthday came and went. Then his 21st birthday He was sick and tired of it all. In fact, he didn't want to go on any longer. So on February the 26th, 1968, he prayed for it to all end. And he knew deep inside of his heart that he wasn't going to live until dusk of that day. He knew he was going to die. And sure enough, his base camp was attacked. He heard a rocket coming towards him. And he did the old count thing, you know, three, two, one. He knew he was going to die. When he got to two, one of his buddies pushed him into a grease pit. And there he just waited to die. He knew that bomb was going to explode, but there was nothing. There was this surreal silence. The fuse had malfunctioned. And so for five hours, Jim knelt in that grease pit. And finally... He reached his quivering hand into his shirt pocket and pulled out that Gideon New Testament he had had in there for over two years. He opened it to the beginning, which is the book of Matthew, and he started reading the Gospel of Matthew. He read all the way to Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. And he said later, I knew when I made it to Matthew 18, 19 and 20. I knew everything was going to be okay. So before I tell you the rest of the story, there's two things we need to review, kids. (laughs) First of all was the date. February 26, 1968. And the passage of Scripture with Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Well, he made it through the conflict. He went back home. And years later, 
He was visiting his wife's grandmother, a precious old lady by the name of Miss Harris. And as they sat there and talked towards the end of the conversation, Miss Harris said, Jim, there's a story I need to tell you about. It happened years ago. One night, I woke up terrified. I knew you were in Vietnam, and God told me you were in trouble. And so I started praying for you. God put a burden for your safety on my heart, and I prayed. I got out of bed. She said, Jim, I couldn't kneel down on the floor because of the arthritis in my knees. So she said, I lay prone on the floor, and I prayed for you all night. And my Bible was right in front of me, and I would read a passage, and I would pray. And then just before dawn... My Bible opened to Matthew chapter 18, and I read verses 19 and 20. You're, you're probably wondering what that passage says, aren't you? Here's Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Jesus said, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together because they are mine... I am there among them. And she told Jim, immediately I got up and I called my Sunday school teacher. And I asked her to get out of bed and come pray with me for your safety. And being the woman of God she is, she got out of bed, came to my house in her robe, and together we prayed for you. We called on God for you. We petitioned your name before God. We interceded for you. And we kept praying for you until the peace of God came over us. And we knew everything was going to be okay. She reached for her Bible and she said, Jim, I want you to look at this. And she opened it up to Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. She said, Jim, would you read out loud what I wrote in the margin of my Bible there? And Jim read the words, Jim, February 26th, 1968. Wow. Say it with me. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for people like Miss Harris who when you speak to their mind and heart, they stop what they're doing and they pray. Lord, thank you for mamas and daddies and grandparents who are willing to stop what they're doing and pray for their kids and their grandkids when you put those kids on their heart and mind. Thank you, Lord, for a church full of brothers and sisters who walk so close to you and enjoy your presence on a daily basis that when you put my life on their minds, they are willing to pause what they're doing and pray for me. Thank you, church, for making it a matter of prayer. W.A. Criswell was pastor of First Baptist Dallas for over 50 years. When he went there, the first sermon he preached was on prayer. In fact, it was entitled, Make It a Matter of Prayer. And he said at the end of the service, he knelt down beside the pulpit and got on his knees and he prayed for God's 
power and blessings on the ministry and on his life as he ministered to those people. He said the people of First Baptist Dallas had never seen a preacher on their knees before. And he said it changed the fabric of that church. Years later, at the end of his ministry, he preached from this verse again a sermon entitled, Make It a Matter of Prayer. And in both sermons, W.A. Criswell quoted this poem. I I can't quote it like W.A. Criswell did, but I think the content is fantastic. He said, when you are weary in body and soul, cumbered with many a care, when work is taking and claiming its its strength-taking toll, just make it a matter of prayer. And when you're discouraged, distraught, and dismayed, sinking almost in despair, Remember, there's one who will come to your aid if you make it a matter of prayer. And when you are lost in this world's tangled maze, when life seems a hopeless affair, direction will come for all of your ways if you'll make it a matter of prayer. You know what, there's there's some of you in this room today who instead of worrying about it, and staying up all night in anxiety about it. You need to come to the altar today and make it a matter of prayer. Others of you have already made it a matter of prayer. And you've been praying for weeks and even years. My advice to you is don't give up. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. Unceasing prayer is a practice we develop and it is a presence we enjoy. And church, nothing on earth can compare with the peace and the power of learning to pray without ceasing. So, so, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that's the way we're going to end our service today. Come to the altar and rejoice in the Lord. If there's no joy in your heart today, come to the altar and ask God to give you that joy. So you can rejoice always, whatever the need is in your life. You bring it to the altar today and make it. A matter of prayer. And then thirdly, for all of us, we need to come and give thanks. Give thanks in all things, knowing this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. So you know what? When we give the altar call this morning and invite you to come and pray, I guess everybody in here needs to come down here and pray. (laughs) Whether it be with joy in our heart rejoicing, whether it be making it a matter of prayer, or whether it be giving thanks to God. We can come and do that this morning as God speaks to our hearts. Heavenly